Hello and welcome to this podcast is rigged with JW Riggs. I have a great guest today. Uh, he is a writer for, or uh, he's a writer, great writer. He's written for stuff like King Saturn Island and Saturday Night Live, and he's done some awesome, awesome stuff. Just he's a great writer. Dave Cyrus, please. Cyrus. Cyrus. Like virus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today, Dave? Good. Thank. How you doing, JW? Good, doing doing pretty good. For those of you that can't tell, I'm wearing my uh, Wayne's World hat and Wayne's World short shirt. Of course, since this is audio, you can't see what I'm wearing, but still, I just thought, okay, why not? <laughs> I love Wayne's World. Do you want to ruin the movie for you? Oh, uh, why not? Why not? It is. It's my favorite movie, but I don't. I don't mind. <laughs> it's a very good movie. I just heard. Uh, I remember someone telling me a while ago that. The whole Wayne's World sketch was just a direct ripoff of Bill and Ted, which I found so funny. I mean, it's not that much of a ripoff, but just the uh, yeah. like the swing thing and like just the kind of energy of it, I thought was so funny. I mean, it's probably not really fair. It's like the jokes are taken from it, but I remember hearing that being like, oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Honestly, I could really see that. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Also, Dana Carvey had to go to a dentist because of all the clenching of his jaw. It like screwed up his jaw. Uh, and I also heard that they like did not know Bohemian Rhapsody whatsoever. So they were just like fumbling oh, through it. So like, okay, that's pretty cool. But um, so yeah, Wayne's World's great though. Now uh, let's, let's get on track and talk about your career a little bit. How did you get started in writing? I know you probably hear that all the time. But. I mean, I've been doing stand-up since high school, basically, and uh, uh, sorry. Hold um, so, I mean, I started doing stand-up in high school, and uh, basically, I was like, I was doing like sketch comedy in college, and then I started getting into YouTube comedy. I was doing like sketches and like man on the street interviews there. Those started to get popular. And then um, my first like kind of big TV job was writing for the Justin Bieber roast, uh, writing for Pete, um, and that and that sort of led to SNL. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, now, what's how is it different writing for the roast compared to writing for something like SNL? Um, I mean, there's definitely with with the roast, it's very kind of like you're just on your own. You're just sort of like there's not like a lot of involvement it's like you're just sort of writing jokes and then you're you're showing up with your jokes and then uh, you'll see what gets on and what you like and what people like and if it steps on anyone else's jokes or as snl there's a much longer process there's you're punching up you're going back and forth you're doing a lot of stuff basically that's uh that that's pretty cool i've always been i haven't necessarily wanted i wanted to get into writing a little bit but i've always liked the process of it like researching the process of it per se so um but uh, i've always been a big fan of saturday night live uh if you don't mind saying so how long did you work on saturday night live for have you well, i i was a staff writer for a year but then from that point onward i continued being a guest writer uh and co-writing like weekend update type stuff so i would sporadically be on since then so starting in 2015 that was okay. the year that i was a staff writer and then i've done some guest writing ever since then that's uh, that's pretty cool. So what are some of the sketches that the audience would uh, the, to kind of remind the audience? Like what what are some of the sketches that you've uh, written or helped? write? I mean, the main stuff that I do, especially like since leaving uh, is co-writing Pete's update features. Cool. You know, that's just sort of our thing. Like we write those features together mostly. Um, I also when I was there as a staff writer, uh, most of the stuff I got on the air besides that 
was like in the cold opens, like jokes in the, uh, the political sketches. Politics was sort of my, what I was better at writing for much more so than like regular, like sketch sketches, like evergreen sketches. I was much more about like sort of topical jokes. Right. That, uh, that makes sense. Honestly, it's like, definitely it does politics does have its place in comedy and everything so uh which is totally understandable i mean it's like the most topical thing in, in most periods of time so yeah so i was lucky that i happened to be working there during a primary election because like it would have been much worse for me uh if there was no politics to talk about honestly i just i just find that to be a you know a good area to write jokes about it, it really is honestly um but uh, but no, that's great. So now, um, of course, I guess. So my, my next question is, who's your favorite person that you've worked with? And uh, then I also kind of have a follow up question. with that. Well, I mean, Pete is Pete. the person I work with the most. And, you know, like that's you know, a very, very close relationship, you know, as a writing partner and a friend. So it's hard to say anyone besides Pete. But I mean, if we have to exclude Pete, because, you know, that's sort of my writing partner for years, I mean, I also loved working with uh, Robert Smigel. I loved working with Colin Jost. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, are just, you know, Judd uh, Apatow is really amazing at what he does. That was a real honor to get to, to write with him too. Uh, Judah Miller is, is amazing. He's someone we're writing with. He worked on King of Staten Island also. We're, we're doing a project with him now. Judah Miller, did, was he on, he was on 30 Rock, correct? Was he the one? Was I don't think there? so. No, I'm thinking. No, no, you're thinking of Judah Freelander. I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. He's awesome I, too. Yeah, sorry. My yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, that's great. Uh, you have worked with some of my favorite people, and King of Staten Island is one of my favorite. Uh, it was actually my favorite movie of 2020. So it's like absolutely loved it. It's great. Um, but uh. So what was it like working with Robert Smigel and all of them? Robert Smigel is one of my favorite comedians. He wrote for, of course, Saturday Night Live, the yeah. Dana Carvey show, Triumph, the Insult Comic He's, Dog. You know, he is amazing. He is, uh, his mind works on such a amazing level in terms of like joke writing. Uh, getting to work with him on Triumph after SNL was amazing. It was such a great transition, you know, having after leaving SNL to get to work on something I've loved so much. You know, I've always loved Triumph so much. It was just like, it just felt like the exact thing I should be writing for, you know? And then we did a puppet show on Fox that no one saw, but it was great. Yeah. Oh, wait, but that was last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Called Let's Be Real. Yes. Yes. I, I do remember that. I remember uh seeing like clips on youtube and just kind of passing the clips i'm like oh this is pretty cool and then yeah i, I watched i think i watched a full episode it's actually pretty cool i love puppet stuff so thank you no no i love doing that show it's just it literally just it, it was like no one i did not know one person who became aware of it independently of me <laughs> so uh but yeah, I uh, I think anything to do with puppets is good pretty much. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be a fan of no matter what, unless like I didn't watch Happy Time Murders. So that's like the one. Exclusive. I didn't like that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really into that movie. Yeah. It just that's didn't the, work. I thought. No, no, no. Puppets doing dirty. It's delicate, movie. delicate dance. Yeah. Working yeah. with that surreal level of reality. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, 
<laughs> so uh, you've been able to work some with some really cool people. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about um, King of Satin Island a little bit. And if you don't mind, how did you and Pete Davidson meet? Do you mind telling that story a little bit? We met uh, doing stand-up in Jersey before he was on SNL. And we became friends. And then he was shooting something for Fox. And uh, he was going to be in L.A. where I lived at the time. And we had a close mutual friend who was like, oh, that guy, Pete, that we hung out with is in town. He doesn't really know anyone. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll show him around a little bit, you know, and we just became friends. And then when a year or so later, he was, you know, he was tasked with writing something at the time for Comedy Central. Um, we, you know, gave it a shot and it kind of worked. And, you know, they were really interested in it. It would have become a Comedy Central series had he not been hired by SNL. Oh, cool. At that time. And then Pete and Judd and I were in talks to work on a script together before Pete was hired by SNL back like back then, like in like back. 2014. Oh, wow. So uh, that had to be canceled, you know, until, you know, a few years later, we were able to sort of get back into it. And it was a different premise that time. But yeah, so it's sort of that that all happened uh, in a very weird way. I like it almost happened and then it did happen. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, do you mind saying like what the premise would have been before SNL, like before he joined SNL, what the premise of? Um, I don't want to get I, I probably shouldn't just because it wasn't when we used. So I don't know if it's something okay. that Judd might oh. want to do in the future, but it was more about like high school. And that made more sense because Pete was like 19 at right. the time. So, it, you know, it was like uh, like a high school, like 18. He was like eight, 19 or 20 when we talked. I mean, 19. Yeah. Um, so it was it was something where he would play like a, a someone graduating high school basically okay. that's that's really cool as i'm graduating high school in just a few months so yeah that's wow. really cool. so yeah it's big stuff <laughs> um but uh so with king staten island how did that uh how did that process start like when did you guys start writing it and everything um uh sorry live uh, no, uh, King oh, Staten Island. Sorry, sorry. Um, we started working on that. Uh, basically, Judd, you know, had always wanted to do something with Pete, and you know, and uh, we and we had, the three of us had talked about doing something before. So, uh, Judd came to us, and, and basically, we had written another script uh, of a different topic that uh, did not end up getting made for a different studio. And then uh, Judd read that script and liked it and said, oh, let's let's start over. Let's let's create something new together, basically. Oh, that's uh, no, that's, so the, that's so the movie didn't get made, but it still, you know, led to that. So, right. Like it's still like it, it can use its sparkle to kind of like make it. Yeah. Make the flames with it. Kind of. I, I try to use try to use words like that. It just doesn't work for me. But yeah. So that's. Uh, that came from that to be that kind of thing. And, um, but uh, that's great. King of Staten Island is awesome. Like I said before, that's uh, definitely, it's like, that's what made me into a Pete Davidson fan as I knew about him before. But when I watched that, it's uh, that year was just so weird. I'm like, I need something really funny. And I watched that. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Now it's like one of my comfort movies. So I'm like, I could just watch this whenever. So yeah, it's um, it's uh, it was really, I mean, a great learning experience uh, just because Judd is so he, he just he knows exactly he knows this sort of thing like by feel like he's not it's not like other 
you know, like other people who maybe earlier in their careers, they're sort of just faking it. Like Judd can really, he's one of those directors that can really see a whole project at once. And it's like, it, it just becomes like an ethereal thing. It's really beautiful watching. And, uh, you know, it was really great being able to write things that then would go through his storytelling filter, you know? That's, uh, that's really cool. Now, uh, I was listening to a podcast interview with you the other day. And if I heard correctly, it's, uh, there wasn't always like, just like one exact script at the time you would kind of go off of different ones or. Yeah. We, I mean, we're basically rewriting things constantly, even day of like a lot of stuff was rewritten day of. And then basically you just have Judd kind of just feed actors the alts that we're generating and the different ideas of what the scene could be because you're sort of like you want the actors to kind of internalize the the writing um and not have to feel like they have to say it word for word you want to like get the idea of what you're saying so that it feels natural so there's a lot of and then the and then you have other jokes that you're sort of pitching in so it's like it's a very and it's a fast process he doesn't like to do like a ton of of takes right so it was just, yeah it was just like you would do your take you would just be natural and then he would just maybe yell out something we had written a few hours before to say like all right do it this way that's uh that's great though i absolutely like i said before that movie is great judd apatow is probably he's in my top five favorite directors so it's just like the way he his films are compared to others it's just it really i really feel like he's one of those that kind of made comedy today what it is and made it different because there's definitely some people like him, Ben Stiller, who in the early 2000s, they really just made it different than what it was. And now we have all these awesome movies that are considered classics, comedy classics. Yeah, no, I mean, his catalog is amazing. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, he made a movie that was much realer and like more grounded than like the one that, you know, I that we originally had started writing you know it's not it's not the way that like if i left my own devices you know it ended up being much more realistic and much more like emotionally engaging than i think i would have been capable of putting together that's uh but the, the movie is very uh very engaging very gets your attention almost immediately type of thing or immediately so it's definitely uh it's it's a really good movie i just i keep having to say that i really feel like it could have been and should have been nominated for an Oscar or something within there. It could have definitely, or at least a few years ago, it could have definitely been a Best Picture nomination, or at least in my head, it could have been. Well, it wasn't. So uh, it could have been. It could have been though. Different I feel year, like it should maybe. Have been. Yeah. I feel like it should have been. Twenty twenty was just such a such a bad year. It was a it was a tough year. Yes. Yes. Uh, it so, um, but. Um, now, do you have any advice for anybody that I guess around my age, so uh, 18, 19, that's wanting to get into writing? I mean, honestly, I think that it's hard to explain, like, because there's no easy way of getting into the industry. Sure. But you kind of have to. I think the the best advice I could give is that, like, you're eventually going to get some kind of opportunity and you want to be ready for it. So, like, I think the important thing is that you write a lot because there is no way the first movie you write is going to get made. And wanting the first thing you write to get made is the worst attitude you can have in this. You have to not be precious about what you're making. You have to be willing to just make something and throw it away. So I feel like you have to just write a lot and learn from it and show it to people and get feedback and see how crowds react to it before you're at the point where this is your big shot to actually get something. 
Yeah, I mean, understandable. I've been able to talk to uh, quite a few writers, and I like how everybody has a different perspective on how to start out in the industry. Absolutely love that. So thank you so much. Like I said before, I, uh, I've thought about writing. Every time I go to sit down and write something, I write it for a few hours, and then I just kind of get distracted going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write it the next day. Three months later, I have nothing on the page. <laughs> so, Yeah, no, it's like you have to just kind of, and there's also the idea of like the discipline of having to write when you're not in the mood to, mm-hmm. you have to sort of force yourself. You have to force yourself. And I've described it as like wrenching someone out of being depressed. It's like that much of a terrible feeling to like create that energy out of nowhere. It's, uh, it's I feel like I have this, uh, I have a pretty good story from real life experiences that I could use to, uh, that I could use to definitely inspire people and also some funny stuff, but definitely some stuff that could really inspire people with some stuff that's happened in my own personal life. Yeah, no, it's, and that's exactly, that's another really good piece of advice is that yes, you should write what you know, like they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't write science fiction if that's what you know, but it's like, you have stories of your life that can be, that's the thing, like if you write science fiction, you can still make it real. You can still, you can have a science fiction universe, but the emotions are something you're used to, something that you've experienced. You know, you're just changing chess pieces at that point. You know, you should you should try to be true to stuff you really know. I mean, that's what I'm working on. Another project I'm working on right now. Um, it's it's basically just it's easy to write sometimes because you're just taking what really happened and then heightening it a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, seven almost seven years ago now. Good grief! Uh, my family was living in El Paso, Texas. Uh, we we now live in Memphis, Tennessee. But uh, my brother was going to school in Henderson, Tennessee, and he found a um, he found a lump, so he went in, and it ended up being cancer. So they rushed him to St. Jude at 19 years old. He's in remission now and everything, but through that time, he uh, they removed uh, one full lung, some of the other. So he has three quarters of a lung. He's just like one of the most inspirational people I know. And just like through that time, I met my best friend, Emma, and my other best friend, Grace, who both of them have passed away uh, recently, but I'll always cherish those memories with them. And I really feel like with that, with their stories, with everything that happened during that time, I really feel like I could use that. Well, I mean, it's, that's part of what the process is for, is mm-hmm. for uh, sublimating these kind of feelings that are so huge and trying to turn them into something positive, turn them into something that feels like there is at least meaning behind it. Right. So that's most, good. Um, but uh, that's also kind of another reason why, one of the reasons why I started this podcast, I was thinking, okay, I have some stuff I want to say, and also I love talking about movies. So that's kind of why I, why I started this podcast almost two years ago. So, and I was bored. Good. Yeah, no, good job. Got to start early. Yeah, totally. Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's good to celebrate things that we love. You know, it's not that frivolous because a lot of people don't really have much besides, you know, their movies and their TV. Oh, it's it's fun though. The podcast and everything's fun, so it's it's great. Good. Uh, now, um, I let's talk about uh, Saturday Night Live a little more since we still have a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. Um, Sorry, my questions today aren't great. <laughs> Believe me, I usually am very prepared. Uh, I um, Let's talk about Saturday Night Live a little bit. And how did you get that opportunity? How did you start there and everything? 
Uh, well, like, like, like I said before, the, the Bieber roast where Bieber I wrote, roast, uh, yeah. like me and I wrote basically half of Pete's jokes. Uh, me, Pete and I wrote that roast set together for the Justin Bieber roast. And based off that, SNL let me write a packet and they hired me off the packet. Okay. Uh, even though they didn't really like my sketches, uh, they did seem to like uh, certain things I did. They liked the jokes that I wrote for cold opens, the jokes that I wrote for promos, uh, you know, the political stuff, and especially the weekend update features. That's where I sort of, that's where I, that's where I did okay. And that's why I've continued to, you know, guest write uh, for weekend update since then. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, sketch of yours that you've been able to write? I think my favorite thing that I wrote at SNL uh, would have been the first thing that was like really mine. That was like my sketch, my thing that I had written almost entirely myself, uh, which was Pete's second update feature of that year which was about transgender bathrooms uh that was one that i i really liked i wrote i wrote it basically that monday and uh got it you know through and then you know pete did like his punch up added his you know jokes to it and then and then it was the first time that like you know something that that was my name was doing really well at the table you know on wednesday at snl and then got on the air and yeah and that 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 was one that i really liked that's that's cool. It's kind of like seeing your kid on TV almost like. Hey, yeah, yeah. No, getting to see like, I mean, like the first time you get to hear like stuff you wrote being spoken live on the show, which would have been Che. Uh, Michael Che was the first the first time I saw something that I had written being said on the show live. It's a great feeling. That's that's great. Uh, just this current cast of Saturday Night Live is so good. It just reminds me like uh, reminds me so much of the cast like there's been so many awesome casts it just reminds me so much of like the early 90s cast which is also uh one of my favorites so it's just love saturday Night live it is that's a great goddamn cast it's uh you know that that the early 90s you know people i hear a lot of people try to make this claim that like everyone's favorite snl cast is just the one that they saw when they were like 12 and i don't buy it even though i know that's that works for a lot of people the early 90s cast was objectively amazing. There were other great eras. You know, there were, you know, the, you know, the, the early 2000s when, you know, when Will Ferrell really hit his stride was also amazing. There's other, you know, there have been a lot of eras that like really got great. But like that moment when they had that massive cast, when Dana Carvey and Mike Myers were still there, when Phil Hartman was still there, but they also it. had. Uh, John was gone by then. Was he gone? Was he gone by then? I knew like oh, Lovitz, was... Lovitz was gone by the time I'm talking about. I'm talking about like when you had Hartman, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Julia Sweeney, but also Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, hey. uh, Chris Rock. You know, that's a time when like I think you, you just had such a perfect show. I mean, that that was when it was just a stacked, crazy show. I mean. There's, I mean, there's so many great sketches from different times that, you know, you can go through. I mean, I love Lovitz. I think Lovitz is so funny. I love the story of, like, he's such a uniquely funny guy. Right. Someone, I forgot who was telling me the story, just about, like, what Lovitz was like when he was the star of the show, like, in, like, 86, <laughs> 87, where, like, he would get everyone to, all the interns and, and, and crew would crowd around, like, when the show was airing, and he'd be like, quiet, I'm on. And then just turn to someone next to me and go like, jealous? Like, that's so funny. Like, he is, his persona of just egotism with just the slightest tinge of sarcasm to it 
is, I mean, I love the critic, the TV show, the critic he did that Judd Apatow wrote on. It's so great. I didn't um, know Judd wrote, uh, Judd Apatow I'm wrote for pretty that. Sure, I'm pretty sure Judd wrote for the critic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I love, I think Lovitz is great. There's a, there's a famous story of the, the, one of the worst seasons of the show was the one where Lauren came back and was sort of rebuilding the show. Right. Um, and the last sketch of that season was a sketch where there's a fire at 30 rock and they have to stop the sketch because there's a fire, like a real fire, even though oh. it's not real. Oh, right. And then uh, Lauren carries Lovitz out of the building to save him. And the joke was he's the only one worth saving. And uh, <laughs> the thing is the next season, only Lovitz, Dennis Miller, and Nora Dunn came back. Oh, true. Was, that was the season with, was that the season with Robert Downey Jr., yeah. Randy Quaid? Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., I believe, uh, Randy Quaid. Uh, it was a very weird season. I mean, it was, it's unwatchable, first, honestly. Uh, but it was just, it was, you know, it was Lauren having to come back and just start from scratch all over again. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall was on that at 17 because he had just been in the vacation movie. Oh, true. That's yeah. Weird. So that's like, he really had Anthony weird. Michael Hall and Randy Quaid from Vacation on SNL. I mean, that's so weird. I, I didn't even think they were in Vacation together and then did that. I was like, oh, that's I'd never put two and two together. That's really strange. Yeah. No. It was, and then like by the next year, they had like I, I believe it was the next year, maybe wrong, that they had Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey and I think maybe Kevin Nealon. And then it really started getting interesting. Uh, I mean, I think Phil Hartman is the real sort of marker of when the show is great. Right. You know, Phil Hartman was such, he, he's the best cast member ever. Phil Hartman is easily to me, the absolute best SNL cast member who ever lived. Everything he touched turned to gold. He, 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 it's hard to explain how important he was for the show working, you know, and there's other people who have been like that. They're sort of, they would call him the glue you know, he was like the rock of the show. He made things work. There's so many sketches that you're like, God, if Phil Hartman had not been playing that part, this would have bombed. You know, and there's other people like that, I think, that have always been around the show um, that were like, they're not the most flashy of the stars, but people don't realize how much they're holding sketches together. I think like good examples of that are people like uh, Beck Bennett. Um, I know a lot of people have said that about uh, Chris Parnell, mm-hmm. you know, Chris oh. Parnell was let go and the whole cast was like, you can't do this. You don't understand it. He's so necessary, basically, mm-hmm. even if he's not like the star star of the show, there's a certain kinds of people you need there. And Phil Hartman was the most competent sketch performer I've ever seen. Uh, but uh, Phil, I was just thinking about that. Actually, the sketch I was thinking of, if Phil Hartman wasn't playing that character, probably wouldn't be very good is when Bill Clinton went to McDonald's. I don't know if I'm guessing you've probably seen that sketch. I mean, that's one of the most famous sketches of that era. Right. And, you so. know, he does such a great job of that. Uh, and it's such a simple sketch. It's just Bill Clinton using campaigning as an excuse to eat. Yeah. And it's, it's just great. And it's yeah, like, it's, I love it. And he did. He did. A, he did like a very simple Clinton impression that worked perfectly. Right. Yeah, no, him and Jan Hooks did some great stuff in the early Clinton days. Yeah. I mean, you have to look when you look at like the the presidents, you know, who's doing presidents. I mean, you had Phil Hartman doing Reagan. 
I was just thinking about that. He he played two different presidents, at least two different presidents. Phil Hartman, yeah, he played. I mean, regularly he played Reagan, and then of course Dana was George H. W. Bush, right? And then he was Clinton until he left, and then Clinton, I believe, then was Daryl Hammond. Yes, for um, a very long time, I think he he played Clinton. Even like he came back a few times during the 2016 election and played Clinton at least once. I believe, no, maybe not. But I know he came back a few well, times. Well, no, I'm pretty sure Phil Hartman was dead then. Oh, I didn't say Phil Hartman. I said Daryl. Oh, oh, Harriman. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I yeah, knew yeah. Phil Hartman. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Daryl Hammond. Oh, yeah. He would still come back when he was needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Because Daryl kind of, Daryl stayed around. Daryl, even after he was a cast member forever. And then he stayed around as the announcer. So, you know, I've, I've, you know, so Daryl would just be around, you know, when I was there because he's the announcer. So when he's needed, he's needed. You know, they had him do Trump. They had him do, you know, lots of different stuff. Right. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to be confusing or anything. No, 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 that's my like fault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. Daryl is uh, extremely talented at what he does, at the at, at the way he's able to capture people's voices and, and mannerisms. I mean, it's it's really something. It, it really is. I uh, he was Daryl Hammond was on that show for a good grief. What, 12 years? Probably something like that. I yeah, mean, he was there for and then he and then to continue being on the show. Right. You know, it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, he was basically doing a Don Pardo impression when Don was, you know, had to leave. You know, mm -hmm. I think I don't know if, if he passed or was just close to it. But I mean, it was funny hearing. There, no, no, there was an episode where Don was sick and Daryl just had to impersonate Don doing the intro which is so funny it's great i need to find that and listen to that yeah it's definitely somewhere i know i don't remember which episode it was but it's definitely like known that there was an episode where it's like oh you can totally tell that's daryl hammond doing don bardo uh now uh one of my last questions uh who was uh who's like your favorite guest host to work with huh favorite host of the show i mean let me think i would say that like without really nailing down one that was great i can just i can just sort of tell you which ones were like really fun really open and just sort of were down to do whatever um chris hemsworth was awesome chris so, hemsworth chris hemsworth played like this douchey australian guy uh which a different host actually was in real life whereas chris hemsworth was the nicest, most open, I'll do whatever I want. I'm so happy to be here, guy. And the fact that like every woman was just staring at. Yeah, because, oh yeah, we had a, we had a Chris Hemsworth and I think like either right before or right after was uh, uh, Ryan Gosling. So, so I mean, boom, yeah, a boom. lot a lot of women on the show were very excited for both of those guys. I mean, they're such famously beautiful men that it, it was it was just funny seeing how like everyone was just swooning. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, we had, yeah, and then we had McConaughey too. But but yeah, like Gosling and Gosling was awesome. He he mentioned the Mighty Boosh, which I was amazed by. <laughs> he brought up Mighty Boosh. I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. This guy knows this guy knows these deep comedy shows. Um, he, he's Miley was cool. great, I thought. Um, let's see, who was really great? Uh, uh, um, Elizabeth Banks uh, was nice. Uh, I didn't really get to do much with her, but she was very nice. Um, and I've just always loved her work. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Burr, Bill Burr. Got to, I got to be there when he, when he hosted. 
that was great just because he was so, he was so natural. And by the way, Bill Burr, what a great actor. What a serious, committed actor for a guy to comes out of the stand-up world that guy i mean he really really he wasn't like some stand-ups who just you know they just want they want to like frank sinatra their way through a scene and you know but he he that guy's a consummate professional really 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 great to work with him mulaney is an amazing guy to host every time i mean he's so so funny um so yeah those are all those people were just were really great oh um adam driver was awesome adam driver such a nice guy such a real just cool normal person it's just it's always nice when you people like oh you're just like a normal cool guy uh even ronda rousey when she was there it was really great she was just cool she was there to hang out there to there to have fun you know just a night you know just a a, a very magnetic person that that's really cool that's cool that you brought Amy polar amy polar was awesome of course she she just seems great honestly i met her when i was like a kid i was an extra on upright citizens brigade and I remember how nice she was then when she was like probably in her early 20s. And then, you know, I uh, met her again, you know, at SNL. Uh, I wrote a rap song thing that she that we couldn't do because there was a different song on the show. But wow, did she murder? I wrote like, honestly, the lyrics I wrote were almost impossible to say. They were <laughs> it was such a tongue twisting, like. Just exercise in you in like impossibility and she nailed it. It was amazing. That's uh that's great. No, she's great. Just like uh, her cast as well, like the 2002, like around that time, just brilliant. Like you mentioned, Will Ferrell, her Tina Fey, I believe, was also in that cast. Yeah, like, Tina Fey, probably the best writer ever on the show. Maybe probably the this may her and Smigel, honestly, easily the you kind of have to give us like the single best writers to ever do that show. And there's a lot of good writers that's uh, it's weird robert smigel really keeps coming up like just like in conversation on the podcast it's i just kind of count that as like a a topic i could bring up because i've interviewed uh bill cott who was on the dana carvey show and like he wanted him on there on the dana carvey show he wanted bill cott on there due to uh his um audition that went horribly on saturday night live so which that's also included in the dana carvey show documentary so yeah no the uh the auditions are a very funny thing you you of course know will ferrell's audition what he almost yes. did the, that's a famous I, I need story. to rewatch that i need to rewatch that audition just the, he didn't do it he didn't do the, he okay. he plans so what happened he did his audition and then he gets brought into lauren's and then you get brought into lauren's office where typically lauren tells you something he, this is what i've read over and over again and i know people who have had this happen to them you do your audition and then Lauren brings you to his office and Lauren says something along the lines of, you know, I think you're great. You know, I don't know if, you know, the show is right for you necessarily, but, uh, you know, I wish you the best. And then you go, oh, that's too bad. I didn't get the show. And then someone calls you and is like, oh, no, that that's how Lauren lets you know you got the show. <laughs> I've heard so many people say they thought they didn't get the show and then they got called from their agent. Like, so congratulations. They're like, wait, what? That 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 means I got it. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's, that's um, fantastic. Yeah, that's I've heard that before. And uh, but Will Farrell, when he was called to the office, he said, and this is different than the other stories I've heard. So maybe it was the audition, not the call, because he said it was a room full of people. And he had a he had a briefcase he brought with him. And of course, no comedian has a briefcase. The reason was because he emptied his bank account and filled it in the brief. He filled his briefcase with cash 
because he wanted to like start taking out stacks of cash. To be like, do I have the job? Do I have it now? And just keep putting cash on the table. I I he's a goddamn that. genius. He's he's amazing. I was actually just watching the movie The House a few weeks ago with him and uh, Amy Poehler, and it's like just watching that and Jason uh, Manzukis. Manzukis. So it's like watching that movie. I'm like, oh, that's just hilarious, and like. I'm just thinking, I'm wondering how much of this was actually improv. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but it's a great movie. It really is. Underrated it's movie. Great. Manzoukas and Farrell and, and Polar, they're just all so funny. Manzoukas alone, it's just like he makes anything his own kind of, and it's like anything he's in, he just makes fantastic. Yeah, he's like a double Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. He, he really, he's just great. It's like he was great in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He, uh, Pimento is probably my favorite character in Brooklyn Nine Nine. So, I haven't seen that. Really, you you I need know, to. I know. Uh, you, you should if you ever have time, you should watch it. If you have time, for I've some. heard. Yeah, I've heard it's great. I probably will. Um, but yeah, no, Jason is just he's so naturally funny. It's it, it's staggering. I, I every I've written so many I've written so many things wanting him to be in them, <laughs> that you know, like I, I just I I feel, I feel like I start thinking about him whenever I start like wanting to cast anyone. No, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Is there um, is there anything else you would like to talk about or possibly even promote? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this you is see in... my old stuff at if you if you go go to YouTube and put in Brickstone, you can see my old stuff. That might be fun. Most definitely. Uh, well, I hope to do this again in the next few months. Thank you so much, and thank you everybody for listening. Thank and you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, man.